Folks, we're very excited to be brought to you this week and every week by Spit the Dummy Records. Spit the Dummy is a Sydney-based DIY label helping to bring dead formats to the masses. They've just announced a brand new release, which is going to be a co-op release with Lost Boy Records. It is the debut EP from Sydney-based singer-songwriter Jack R. Riley. It's a four-track EP entitled Videotapes, and it is going to be released on cassette very, very soon. You can grab a pre-order for that right now going through spitthedummyrecords.bigcartel.com. Jack is also going to be launching the EP next Saturday, the 12th of November at Blackwire Records, kicking off at midday. The lineup features himself, Obscura Hale, Isaac Graham, Alison Gallagher, Rachel Maria Cox, Spencer Scott, Marina Mitchell, and Nothing Rhymes with David. We've also been brought to you this month by This One's For Mum. This One's For Mum is a festival, a fundraiser, and a celebration. And if you're listening to this the day it comes out and you're in Newcastle, then you're in luck. The show begins tonight. It will be kicking off at the small ballroom in Newcastle tonight before heading to Sydney for this weekend. On Saturday, it is going to be at Blackwire Records. Doors are at 6.30. First band will be at 7. And this one's for mum will also be happening this Sunday at the Red Rattler Theatre in Marrickville. Doors are at 3pm. Plenty of friends of the show, plenty of previous guests. It's a really diverse and really interesting and really exciting lineup, and I would absolutely love to see you there. Alright, let's get on with this week's episode. When I was 12 years old, I was a very angry and confused young man. Uh, And uh, sometimes the music that helped me through that was what is now categorized as new metal. There was just something about the energy and the down-tuned riffs and that uh, vaguely existential, angsty kind of deal that resonated with me. And 15 years on, I still have a major soft spot for it. So you can imagine that... What I'm about to say is one of the most surreal things that I've ever said in the history of this podcast. Today's guests are Drowning Pool. Hi, my name is David James Young. I'm the host of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. been coming at you for 68 episodes now. And uh, it has been an absolutely wild ride that has led us to this very moment. Yes, indeed. I took a, I took a punt. I decided to get in contact with the legendary John Howarth and see if perhaps, maybe, Drowning Pool, the, the, the band that I just talked about that were a huge, huge part of my life growing up, their album Sinner, I know back to front every single word, like an album that I, I just can't imagine my life without, the, the band behind that very record, I thought, what the hell? What's what's the harm in asking? I didn't hear back. And then, literally the week of the tour, I get a message from John saying that it's all clear to go. I meet up with their wonderful tour manager, Scott, 
and I meet up with the current lineup of the band. So Stevie Benson, Mike Luce and CJ Pierce have always been a part of the band uh, from its inception, but uh, they've had a few different vocalists over the years and uh, their most recent and uh, from what I've gathered is going to be their permanent singer from here on out, a gentleman by the name of Jason Marino. Uh, all appear in this episode. Uh, Originally, it is just Stevie, Mike, and Jason, but CJ comes in and announces himself in about 15, 20 minutes in. And that's the thing. I thought maybe I'd have 20, 30 minutes with these guys, but they had so many stories to tell, and the banter just kept flowing. This goes for nearly an hour, and uh, it's a bizarre, bizarre thing to kind of listen back and hear me just shooting the breeze with this band that I used to idolize as a child, that I was in their dressing room, that I was talking to them, just hanging out, you know. It it was an absolutely bizarre experience. I don't think they quite figured out uh, what was going on. I'm not entirely sure they know what a podcast is, but they're on one. (laughs) They've officially, Drowning Pool have officially done a podcast. I have dragged Drowning Pool into 2016, whether they like it or not. Uh, Of course, they had a bit of a mimetic rise uh, a little bit before this tour with uh, the surprise of the 80-something gentleman who uh, appeared on America's Got Talent uh, performing the song Bodies, which, of course, is their most famous track. Uh, It was... (laughs) A bizarre, bizarre experience for them. Uh, they didn't come up in this interview, and I think they were kind of grateful for that because they've they've spent enough time talking about that, I have absolutely no doubt. But we got through basically the entire history of the band, and we talked about a lot of different things, going around, being a touring band, getting that international recognition, and being a part of that entire wave of new metal, which is, you know, a very, very fascinating thing. This was a really interesting and really, really fun one. I genuinely think this is one of the best episodes that I have ever, ever done. And so I I am very, very honoured and very, very excited to be sharing that with you today. Before we do that, though, I have to give a shout out to the people that are making this podcast possible because support for all my friends are in bar bands comes from you. Yep, that's right, you. For as little as $1 a month, you can help keep this podcast up and running. And you can be like some of these legends. A massive thank you, as always, to Amy Gray, Andrew Nicholson, Britt Andrews, Caitlin Barrell, Eleanor Shepard, Hazel Chan, Heath Anthony, Jeremy Neal, Kirsten Day, Leslie Bowden, Lily Belnick, Matthew Lynch, Max Quinn, Rachel Maria Cox, Rick Foster, Ryan Dunn, Sam Katrupi, Sian Vanukudi, Simon Reynolds, Spencer Scott, Tom Brown, Tom Kennedy, and Zoe Lane. Your support is so, so, so very appreciated. All of you are helping to keep this podcast up and running. And if you would like to join that group of legends, you can head over to patreon.com slash barbands. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash b-a-r-b. A-N-D-S. Alright, fuck it. Let the potties hit the floor. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm David James Young, and I interviewed Drowning Pool.
Hi everyone, I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friends, Drowning Pool. What's up? What's up? Hello. Hello. <laughs> introduce yourselves, gentlemen. Hiya, I'm Jason. Stevie. I'm Mike. Play drums. <laughs> Hell yeah, you do. <laughs> it is Friday night, we're here at the Manning Bar in Sydney, and Drowning Pool are back for the first time in, what is it, 14 years, was it? That's yeah, crazy. it's it's too bad to have to say that. Like, <laughs> it's, it's barely starting to sink in. It's been you know, a I long keep, damn time. I keep hearing it, and then it, it, like the the reality of it is starting to sink. Like fourteen years. It's yeah, been no. since yeah, it's you guys ridiculous. Have been here. We apologize. For it's that. fine. It's It'll fine. never it's happen again. It was not designed that way. <laughs> fourteen years. Well, life gets in the way. It definitely does. And this uh, this is your first time as well. This isn't is my just... first time. Man. Yeah, how, how are you finding it so far? I love it. You know, the guys tried to explain to me how it was going to be because, no BS, man. You know, when I joined the band and I was very green, obviously never having toured extensively, I was yeah. like, you know, what are some of your favorite places to play and what can I expect? And, and Australia was very, very high on the list. And they tried to explain what it would be like. But, I mean, even those words fall short of how it would be. I mean, uh, very loyal fans here mm. obviously I yeah, mean, yeah. as you just said 14 years and, yeah, for and sure. people are still coming out and they're, you know uh, anything that I could ask of them live hey man I want to hear you sing this song they're singing along on every word they're screaming I mean it's it's awesome and the yeah. reception has been it's just been amazing man so, yeah yeah nice uh, can you tell us about the first time that you guys came out here like uh, do you remember much of that first Australian tour I do um, it, it was crazy because it it was our first time, obviously here, but it was our first time to to do a tour that I guess um, when it was big day out, it also fell upon I think what's Australia Day. Or yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so so like we show up and you had like a show and then like three days off and then another show or two shows and then another two or three days. We so we hung out with. Shannon, I hang out, hung out with Shannon Larkin at the time. He was playing with Amen. Oh uh, yeah. And uh, we were just on the beach all the time, and just, just dude, we were, we thought that's how it was gonna be for the rest of our lives. We were like, man, let's move here. <laughs> yeah, they did like, say. this is ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, it was unbelievable. Another thing I remember about it is our sound guy decided to quit smoking right before we got on the damn plane. Uh-oh. And it was a 17-hour flight to get here. By the Ooh. time we got here, that dude was chewing people's heads off. <laughs> so that was that was pretty funny. Um, dude, I remember one day, we had a day off, we were at Gold Coast. And we were all, man, it was a bunch of people hanging out on the beach, having beers, you know. Yeah. Just, you know, in like your swim trunks and, you know, a bunch of chicks in bikinis hanging out, everybody getting hammered. And I looked down towards the end of the beach, and I could see, see him coming from a long ways away. CJ is walking toward us, <laughs> wearing these big black leather boots all the way up to his knees, tracing through the sand on the beach. It's like 110 fucking degrees. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. It looks like, looks like dirty Gene bike. Simmons like, came rock stomping yeah. through the Motocross beach. boots with like khaki shorts and a white wife beater. It's like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't see us. <laughs> That is prime beach material yeah, right there. Right. I love it. 
They could have thrown him in the water. He just could have sank straight to the bottom. <laughs> Big ass boots. Oh, that is fantastic. Uh, so I begin these by kind of tracing back the initial interest in music and kind of the point where it went from being something that you were kind of interested in observing to being something that you actually wanted to do. Uh, James, let's start with you. Uh, where did the initial interest in music kind of come from? Like, was it part of your family growing up, or was it something you saw on TV? Like, where did it kind of... No, it's definitely, definitely my family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I come from a very uh, musical family. Sure. Uh, my mother took me to my first concert. I, I couldn't have been maybe you know, five, six years old. It was Clapton. Oh, nice. Uh, Clapton. Um, she was always singing Beatles and, and Zeppelin in the car on the way to and from school. Mm-hmm. Um, my father played guitar, my grandfather tuned pianos his whole life, so um, my mom played drums, which in turn my brother ended up playing drums, so I, it was always there, very yeah. musical house, and um, once I got old enough to really, you know, make my own choices about what I wanted to listen to, I, I found uh, Queen and Freddie Mercury, and, uh, nice. and that was like... Yeah, that's all I needed right there. Yeah, so. yeah. And then that, that turned into like a, a, a great appreciation for the, the showman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Bruce Dickinson and Iron Maiden was, was another one. Yeah, I was like, wow, yeah. Man, that guy, he has, you know, operatic training and mm. very uh, visual. So. And then obviously being from Texas, uh, Pantera. Yeah. Uh, yeah they, were, they were local and, and you would see those guys around and, and they were really doing something different and fresh and... That gave us a sense of pride that they were from Texas, so we definitely I follow in those footsteps. Yeah, nice. What about you, Sadie? Um, yeah, you know, it was the musical family. I think you know that's probably a pretty common thing. That's where it starts. You know, yeah, yeah. My folks were huge Beatles fans, so you know, of course, I was a huge Beatles fan. Um, you know, still to this day, I'm fanatical about the Beatles. But I guess it really all changed one day. I was at school, and a friend gave me a recorded cassette tape, and it was Kill 'Em All. Oh shit! And I took it home and listened to it, and you know it was unlike anything I'd ever heard. I went from Beatles to the very next day. The thing I'm exposed to is Kill 'Em All, which is you know a freaking sway. Oh, it's a huge jump, and I just I was just hooked after that. You know, any metal record CD cassette anything I could get my hands on I bought you know I'm mm. I'm you know at the record store begging my mom to buy me like Wasp and Shout the Devil and Fuck yeah. and things like that you know and she's like oh my god I'm not buying you that <laughs> so um, yeah I was hooked after that man just you know it was a huge metal head and just you know the next progression is to start you know, you see, you're listening to the music, you love the music, you yeah. just, then you want to emulate the music, so you start playing an instrument, and, you know, it just kind of builds from there, and some, then, then one day, you're a little bit older, you're playing guitar, bass, or whatever, in a yeah. band, and you realize, hey, if we play, you get a bar tab. <laughs> Holy shit, this and is that's awesome. that's you want when you kick, kick Yeah. Around, this is yeah. the greatest thing ever. Oh, man, God, then you might get laid? Oh, shit. <laughs> This is the greatest thing That's ever. That's the end game right there. Yeah. That's the end game. I've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Mom sang. She was a singer. Oh, yeah. So there was always lots of music in the house. She was always singing either with the company man or without it. 
So that was always there. Yeah. Grew up in New Orleans, and I was a big fan of, you know, the, the second line marching bands during Mardi Gras and stuff like that. So I always loved hearing that, you know, when they come down the street, the cadence and the, you know, the rhythm of everything. I got my first drum kit when I was either 12 or 13. And my brother got me a Motley Crue record and a Rat record. Fuck yeah. And I convinced my mom to let me become part of this thing at the time. It was called Columbia House or something. Mm. Where you could mm-hmm. sign up for oh, like 20 yeah. records for like a penny, but then you bought another record for like 20 bucks. Yeah, and yeah. after for like two years or something. But the first initial deal, you get like 20 some odd records. So mm. I ordered anything I could think of that was, you know, heavy. That's awesome. You know, so that my brother kind of got it started. Man, the craziest thing, you want to hear something weird? My brother was a big Alice Cooper fan. My brother's about nine years older than me. Okay. He was also the guy that pushed me into moving to Texas. I was the last one to leave New Orleans for right. my family. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he told me to go to, to Texas to hook up with Stevie. I was like, well, we're going to you know attempt college, but you know we're going to play the band, too. Yeah, I told him on the side. You know? mm. but, yeah, yeah. But... Uh, but yeah, I found a Black Sabbath cassette tape under my mom's bed. One time. <laughs> I'm like, wow, what the hell is this doing? <laughs> so my brother had like Alice Cooper. My brother was kind of, you know, he had eclectic taste. He was all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And my mom was like a classically trained singer. Yeah. But to find a Black Sabbath tape, cassette tape, I was helping to clean a room one day and it was under the bed. I'm like, how the hell did this get under here? So I took it. <laughs> That was some of the scariest shit I ever heard. What is this that stands in front of the Oh man, yeah, that'll fuck you so, up as a kid. Before, yeah, before that, it was just like Kiss, uh, you know, like Sticks. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like Stevie was saying. It is funny that that's what drew us all to this genre of music. Yeah. That, that kind of taboo sense. Yeah. I remember. Trying to sleep through clapping because I was just a damn kid. Yeah, sure. And they played cocaine, and man, it was like I was in on it. Man. That was you know, it. I was yeah. Like, oh man, I'm in the adult world. There's no going back off to that, is there? So it, it, those, you're on the devil's music now. Yeah. Those rebellious yeah. roots were really, uh, you know, so yeah, very early on. I remember having a conversation with my mom about the song "Creeping Death." And she, because I didn't grow up in a very religious household, right. but I remember she and I talking about that and just having this, like, you know, heart to heart about the religious context of, you know, a Metallica song. Wow. So it was kind of like, all right, cool. Nice. Like, all right, mom. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Tell us about the first time that you played live uh, with some of you, Jason. Uh, like, uh, how old were you? Like, uh, were you still in high school? Like, what was the what was the first, context? First show I did was a house party. I was uh, I was in junior high. Yeah, nice. So I think I may have been twelve years old at the time. Oh wow! Because uh, buddies of mine, we were playing all covers. We threw it in the backyard. We, you know, built these. These ramps up onto these dog houses so they can be, you know, super duper platforms where they bite us off, bite out all our friends. And uh, that was my first full on performance, you know. And then very shortly after, we got a taste of that performance bug where yeah. before we were doing it for, you know, just the, the passion of music. And, but then you get, you know, oh, now I want to be a performer. Now I want to share my art with everyone and I want. 
to, to make it a bigger thing. So then, you know, I found myself in, in the local shithole clubs playing on Monday night and, and you know, giant X's because I was a minor. Oh, sure, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, definitely. So I, I think maybe 12 at a party and then maybe 15 playing playing a local bar. Nice. We weren't supposed to be there. Oh, obviously not, yeah. Make that so. yeah, We were willing to play on a damn Monday night, so <laughs> You'll do, you'll do, yeah. Stevie, what about you? Um, Man, it's hard to really nail down just simply for the fact that, you know, kind of playing with, you know, your friends and like little garage bands. Um, yeah. You know, one day you play and you know, there's like five people watching, and you know, you might play the next weekend, and like 20 people have come to hang out to watch. You know, yeah. so it's really it's tough to say when. When was really your the first? When was your first like with you and your guys, where y'all all were in agreement that this is a show? You're gonna play a damn show. That that's what it was for me. Like we drove. I think. Yeah, we, I think if we <laughs> played some chicks like. Graduation party or some shit like that. <laughs> high school. Okay. Oh, oh, dude. Yeah, I remember. We were playing this chick's graduation party, and we right. all showed up yeah. at her house with all of our instruments and amps. And we realized to play a show, you had to have a PA, <laughs> and we didn't fucking have one. The only place we knew that had one was the high school, and one of the guys in the band was in band in high school, so we had a key to the band hall. So we just, oh shit, let's go to the high school. Went in, it's like, you know, 10 o'clock on Saturday night, go in, steal the PA, go set it up, play, and then bring it back. That's awesome. That is pretty badass, so yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I guess we were more hardcore than I thought we were. Hell, that's, that is a great start. Stealing PA, that's the, that's the, that's the kick out. No, we brought it back, we borrowed it. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> were you in that band as well? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was the same story I was gonna tell. Yeah. Oh, shit, sorry, dude. No, stole your thunder. no, that's awesome. <laughs> it was the same thing. Yeah, Mike well, and I went to high school together. Well, that was, oh, yeah. That was the first one I was gonna say that when you were saying, what's the first one where you and your guys. The first time I ever got on and like did a performance, I was in like fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. And my school offered guitar lessons. Right, right. And we played like Proud Mary and stuff like that. Sure, and we sure. Got out there, and, ah! try singing and playing. So that was like the first time I did that. But the first time it was like, yeah, man, we're gonna do this. We're gonna go play. You know, we got all our stuff together. Yeah, Bo. Bo Bridges <laughs> out there in the world. He had the key to the band room. We show up. Oh yeah, because his mom was a teacher. Yeah, yeah, that's even right. better. Yeah, all undercover darkness. This yeah. is great. Grabbed uh, some little PA. And... God, how stupid were we though? Show up to play. Oh wait, but how is anyone gonna hear us? Huh? <laughs> oh, <come> <laughs> what what's missing? <laughs> oh, so, yeah, Bo, Bo threw it there, and we all. Man, I remember somebody had like. Did, didn't he drop? Like a big old LTD something, we filled yeah. up the trunk with all like little pee. There, and then I remember uh, after the show, after we were done, the chick uh, who was graduating, her dad pulled us all into like a little side room. Yeah, gave us all beer and like fifty <laughs> bucks. Fuck yeah. We were like, oh my god, this is 
fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, that, that is, is sensational. Yeah. Yeah. So, my, my first yeah. show, I stood on a damn dog, dog house and got my shoelaces tied here. See what a dog house is? Why do those dogs do that? <laughs> I know. They don't, well, they don't just play poker. They don't <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So you two were always in bands together? Oh, almost, yeah. What kind um, of, yeah, what kind of stuff were you guys doing like before Drowny Pool kind of kicked off? Making noise. Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just, it's, uh, what would you call it? It was like garage, bad, out-of-tune, punk, metal. Yeah, something. trying to fumble our way around, you know, learning Motley Crue and Metallica songs. Yeah. And Iron Maiden, you know, when you're, you know, in the eighth or ninth grade, trying to figure out, you it's think you when they had those big tab books, right? They oh yeah! The we had we had uh, Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and right. sure, yeah. Justice for All. That's so, the, well, that was the one. We were mangling Metallica songs. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, and instead of guitar solos, because none of us can play guitar solos, <laughs> we do drum solos. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Solid substitute. That's great. <laughs> we sucked. Oh sure, dude! I can remember us playing uh, Flight of Icarus. From Iron Maiden, and it's the first time I'd ever come across like trying to play the the the, 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 the little gallop. the gallop. The gallop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to do that. Yeah. And I was like, oh god, oh there it is. No, no, oh, oh, shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> trying to lock that in. Steve Harris, amazing. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, uh, what kind of uh, bands were you kind of kicking around in like growing up? Like after you know that first performance, my first full-on band that we were playing Dallas clubs. Uh, we were basically a wannabe Pantera band. Sure, yeah. Yeah, man. We really looked up to that whole, you know, Billy Badass, you know, thing that they were putting out, being from, from Texas. And, yeah. And it was, you know, and, and, and we had, you know, the biggest, oh, hell, I don't know, what, what would you call it, man? Just, we idolized those guys. Cause you sure, would, yeah. They were doing it big, but you would still see them, man. Yeah. You know? And you they were, in that band? They were still... No, I was playing bass. I was playing bass, cool. And, uh, man, we dressed like them and walked like them and talked like them. <laughs> we just wanted to be Pantera so bad, man. Yeah, so wow. that, that's what we were trying to do. Yeah, yeah. So when is Drowning Pool kind of coming to the coming to it? Like, uh, how old were you guys? Like, what kind of uh, stuff were you guys listening to that made you guys want to kind of do that sort of music at that point? CJ and I are from New Orleans, but yeah. how'd you end up going to school with Stevie if you were from New Orleans? It went. Uh, when did you move to Dallas? Because I had. We have a fourth voice here. Sorry, <laughs> I came in late. That's CJ. Hey, man. CJ. <laughs> two years in high school, my junior and senior year. Oh, uh, uh, Texas. Now I met Steve here. We were almost immediately in, in a band together, a garage band with uh, the singer Bo. And a friend of ours named Mike who played bass. And uh, where we you were, play we, were, we were in that band for you know pretty much our two high school years. As soon as we graduated, I'd gone back to New Orleans with my family, and I'm jockeying back and forth for the next few years. Yeah, like, right. Attempting college, and when I wasn't in Texas, I'd be in New Orleans, and then that's where CJ and I. What the hell are you doing in Texas out. to begin with in your junior year? Well, it's really nothing to do with it. Oh, it's Family stuff. But you know, always stayed in contact. There was about four or five years there where I stayed in New Orleans. It wasn't until like 96 or 97. Stevie and I 
started reaching back out. The Dallas scene, though New Orleans is heavily seated and steeped in music, the Dallas Deep Vellum scene specifically in the the early to mid 90s was just off the charts crazy. Sure, yeah, yeah. We didn't know what we had, man. Mm. And and like Jason was saying, Pantera especially was largely a part to do with that. But even before Pantera became the Pantera that they were known as globally, yeah. even before that, locally, they were huge. And, yeah. and Dallas still had just a hard-hitting heavy rock scene. We didn't know anything about it, not being there mm. so much after I graduated. But I went back to see a friend's... Uh, birthday or to attend a friend's birthday right, and we right. went down to Deep Ellum and it was sick I remember going back home and telling the sea day at New Orleans I was like dude there's clubs lined up and down the street like a small you know Mardi Gras yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's local bands like three and four band bills and playing lines. to packed houses built in lines clubs, would be built in crowds at every out club. around the corner to see local bands yeah, that's hectic. So even though we're in New Orleans playing music, you know, a few nights a week, but you're playing like 70, 30, 60, 40 covers to the original, Dallas is where it was happening. So right, yeah. So we, we made plans to, to move up as quick as we could. We were there about 97, and Drowning Pool, we were, we were what? It, I think Dave joined in like late 98. Yeah, sounds. I think that's like November '98. So you guys were just playing instrumental before that. Yeah, we had a, a rotating door of a couple different guys yeah. before we kind of settled in with Dave. Right. It solidified. But I don't think it's still that ground pool because it was not even sound. Like yeah, it wasn't the same. Yeah, like Dave. Uh, when Dave joined the band, we all had similar goals, similar plans, similar ideas to what the band should sound like. Yeah. And yeah. we decided with him joining, we were going to take a year and write. All new songs, totally developed songs, blah, blah, blah. So we start rehearsing a week later. Dave walks in and says, Hey, man, we got a gig next weekend. Hey, shit. Right <laughs> <laughs> shit. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. So that was the first Drowning Pool show? Yeah. It was, it was at a place called the Tattoo Bar. Right. Yeah. Do you want to remember? It's called a Sanctuary. Did you have that on video? Exactly. Were you at that show? Uh, we used to play. My old local band at the time, um, there were local bands at the time and we were one of them as well as Drowning Pool so we played Tattoo Bar frequently and there were yeah. often times where my local band at the time would, would open for Drowning Pool or, yeah. um, I don't know if Drowning Pool ever opened for our local band yeah we did oh yeah so oh shit there you go so we often shared the same stage right yeah, yeah. Tattoo Bar what do you guys awesome. remember about that very first show I remember watching remember that time Jason's the band with was it Ramon on guitar? Yeah. Fucking, yeah. It was the first time I saw a dude just do Well, this won't translate, but uh, <laughs> that whole. That. That. that Show us, my dude. now standing that, up that, and headbanging. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, you and I went and saw them. We saw Plastic Tongue at uh, Smoking Dave's one time. I, dude, I, saw, I remember there, and I just remember Kurt was playing at Trees. Trees was like the pinnacle. We had. You know, that's where, that's where you were starting to make it local if you were yeah. in the trees. Yeah. But the next tier was Curtain Club. And Curtain Club sounded every bit as good, 
Yeah. But it was just a smaller house. And I remember seeing your band on that stage, and it was like, holy shit. Man. Our shit was Galaxy, man. You guys remember Galaxy? Oh, no, that's where, Galaxy, we, that's where we started, man. That's where playing Wednesday nights, open, begging them to let you open for somebody yeah. and bring in 20. Dude, they got Tell to a point. We had to get a Polaroid and get everybody in line so we could take a picture, so we could head count. So that we could so prove to the guy that we like, brought 20-some-odd people so he'd let us play on the weekend. And I would say, no, you didn't. Because he'd always say, yeah, because yeah, he'd always go, ah, you didn't read that many next yeah. time. We're like, son of a bitch, yes, we did. Like, took a picture on the stage, man. Let us play on Saturday night. Let us play on Friday night. He wouldn't let us play on the weekend, man. It really worked us over. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, that is good hustle right there. That's pretty yeah, good hustle back then, dude. I mean, <laughs> nowadays, you just pull out your phone and just snap a picture. Can't used to be like that. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, No, there's a couple things that we used to play at too, one of them specifically White Rabbit in San Antonio that we would go we'd drive down there and it would say they would pay you like 50 bucks or something and it would skip you on like 50 bucks you know, we'll give you anything. I remember us trying to get back home when we had any gas and we sit at a yeah, gas station. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Gas. And somebody would give us gas. And then after hearing our sign, they didn't want to book us. And we sell it out. Remember that dude coming up to me, man? I'm sorry to talk about you. Just give you 50 bucks. And now he's paying the real money. But I think we're going to be on the outside watching Toronto And that was one of the things, you know, aside from their music and their presence on stage and Dave just being Dave. Remember that was one of the things that set them apart from all the rest of us was how um, forward thinking they were as, as being regional at the time. Right, as well, sure. we were all focused on Dallas and, and ruling Dallas and being the best of Dallas. Right, yeah, yeah. Down, man, Dallas, man. They were they were playing, you know, San Antonio and, and really, like, yeah, you know, the surrounding cities and stuff. Yeah. They were very smart about what they did, and we just we just custom. Right. <laughs> so many people hate us right after we got signed. Oh, God. Where did things kind of start picking up? Like, obviously, you guys were, like you said, kind of working, you know, that immediate circuit. Like, uh, at what point did things start picking up and, like, people outside of that immediate bubble of Texas? When they stopped the local show, right? And, and, and at the Eagle. And we started playing local show at, at Curtain Club, and then we got on a little tour with Seven Dust. Oh That's no! Cool it's sad. And then around that time, it seemed like things started picking up. For yeah, me. we we worked it hard, man. We we really were. We were everywhere. We um, like we we'd go and play like Lubbock on a Friday, and then we'd have a show in Dallas on Saturday. But we'd have friends working the streets and passing out flyers while we were in Lubbock. And yeah, wow. Just always this cycle. It built quickly, you know. Like one day we're hustling trying to find gigs, and then you know it seemed like a week later. People are calling, offering us money. You know, oh, wow. People started showing up. We started teaming up with our local bands like Hello 5 Punk Crew and stuff. Yeah, just things started building. And then the local radio station did a benefit CD of all local bands. Jason's band was on it, too. Yeah, yeah, It was like yeah. 20 bands, 20 songs on this benefit CD. And the radio station decided they needed a single. Right. Single, if you will. So they picked our song and started spinning it on the radio. And then, you know, all the labels in the country get that radio report every week. So all of a sudden, fifth largest market in the country of the yeah. band shows up. Yeah. yeah. Our phone. The demo version of Sarah Way. It seems oh, like you wow. Guys, what's that? The single, if you will. Shot like light speed after that happened. Dude, after that, I mean, a few months later, man, we sold the fucking records. It like crazy Zero to yeah yeah so where were you at, at, while while all this was happening like what was happening with, with your band we were up to that point you know 
in a friendly rivalry with each other. As you said, I'm yeah, right. on that same local disc. We played the same exact stages. We, we were aimed at the same goal. Mm. We just uh, we we got a couple of showcases and it just didn't work out for us. Like we uh, we got passed by a roadrunner. They didn't want us. We did a showcase for Maverick and they hated us. So it's not for lack of trying. I yeah, mean, sure. We just didn't didn't have it, you know. Just trying to pull that. Yeah, you yeah. would know it. I mean, I remember when I say we hated them. Obviously, we didn't really hate them, but it was extremely difficult not to be jealous. Because yeah. everyone knew that. It was yeah. Happen. Yeah, yeah, totally. You just, you just it's hard to put into words, man. You would just have to have seen it um, back then. Yeah, and, and you know, at the risk of sounding, you know, silly about it, I, it was just special. I remember getting chills and, and feeling this wild mixture of envy and awe and um, you know, pride because mm. we all knew they were going to blow. Up, man. Um, yeah, blow up, and they did. Yeah, so, yeah. We were I'm, there yeah. watching. <laughs> tears of joy outside looking in all over again and it was and it was funny man and I'm not man I don't want to sound like I'm you know all up on the D but you really gotta hand it to them because you know they were there they fucking were in the trenches day in day out yeah then they they blow up and they sell all these records and just like Pantera you would still see them Walking down the street, just being drownable, just being cool, and, and they never did. Guess what? You're in hot man. This is great. Yeah. Like, I mean, keep well, it's because, these it's because man. I, I, was, I was there, man. I watched yeah, it. Sure. You know, I'm not the new guy. I've been here since day one. Yeah, totally. I watched it, and totally. I remember very clearly, you know, leaving a gig, a damn local gig at the Curtain Club, and I walked past this guy. He's just, hey, man. Oh, platinum selling artist, man. Just, yeah. just being this guy. He didn't have a whole. D bag on to around him is just a normal guy yeah, hanging out. Yeah. Let it be said that these guys it was always about the music, it's always gonna be about the music. Yeah. It was never about the the start of going to their head or any of that. Sure, I mean, it yeah. was, it's real, you know. Yeah. So Cinna so comes out and obviously, you know, things are picking up on an international scale and uh, I would be remiss if I didn't kind of talk about how I come into the picture, which is WrestleMania eighteen. Yeah. Can you guys tell us about performing at WrestleMania 18? Because you know, awesome. when, when, when we were kids, like that was our that was the dream. You know, being in a band it's just like, oh my god, you're playing music and you get to meet Triple H. That's the dream right there. Dude, it's huge. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can imagine. So huge. All those years are so huge. I was more impressed by Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> she was quite a sight for the eyes. Oh, absolutely. It, that show was ridiculous because. I mean, what was it, Toronto? Blue Jay Stadium? Yeah, uh, in Toronto, yeah. Uh, Sky, 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 Sky Dome. Like 68,000 people there, and then it was going to be televised with millions and millions of people. Before we went on stage, I backed up and I stepped on this guy's foot, and I turned around, and this big, huge shoes and mask on, I said, Undertaker. Oh. Sorry, dude. Oh, no problem, man. Have a good show. <laughs> the energy <laughs> in that place was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you know, they drive in with, they be, you know, the production at the time. Uh, Semi after semi and just mm. rigging and lights yeah, and just—it was unbelievable. Yeah, that's the biggest production. I the, ever saw. Yeah, the place was—I mean, the place holds you know seventy some odd thousand people, and the whole floor of it was covered. 
from one end to the other, yeah. left, right, up, down, just with lights, rigging, staging, yeah. everything. Insane. You know, like we're up over here, people are coming out, we're playing while stuff's exploding and going off. It was, it yeah. was crazy. Yeah, was yeah. Wild. Tell us about kind of the international touring you guys were doing around that point as well, because, you know, like, that kind of music in particular, like, there's been so much said about that kind of late 90s, early 2000s, turn of the century focus on, you know, new metal kind of being this massive conglomerate. And, you know, you guys were a big part of that as well, you know, like, uh, how was that kind of expanding out, like, internationally as well? Like, was that kind of a culture shock going to the other side of the world, you know? It, it definitely it opened our eyes, man. We were yeah. we became worldly at that point, and you know we were all you know late twenties and didn't know anything but Texas and sure, you know. And it it wasn't long after that, you know, that nine eleven went down. You know, the, oh sure, yeah, the, you know the, the twin tower. So we 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 started growing up and seeing things differently real quickly. You know, after that. Yeah. and then it wasn't far after that that they passed. So you know, yeah. for as fast and as meteoric as it may have took off and went up, it also at the same time just hit that ceiling, and then it was like, oh shit, you know, and your eyes yeah. just open up to you know everything that's real. I can only imagine that would have been like such a difficult thing to bounce back from. Like you know, that that kind of resonated with so many people, and you know, like. I think the fact that you guys chose to continue, you know, that speaks volumes about, you know, kind of the the nature of the band, you know, that, like, you were not going to let anything stop you guys from what you originally set out to do, you know what I mean? Exactly it. And we got Jay and the band, we're having fun with it again, man. It's all about it. Yeah, <laughs> smile. Jay he's pretty happy about that. I'm not complaining. There's a story I like to tell that, um, it's, it's bittersweet, obviously, because it's story I can tell only because of uh, Dave's passing. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we all wish that Dave was was still with us. But yeah, sure. I remember after they had taken the the necessary time to greet Dave, word started to get around that, you know, are they going to continue and, and maybe they're going to pick a local guy. You would start to see the three of them with their manager at the time at local shows. So yeah. Everyone was like... We're scoping it out, man. Man, <laughs> pick me, man. Oh man, oh man, I can do a drummer pool, man. So, <laughs> I was not immune to that, man. I remember uh, there's this guy back home, been on the local team for years. His name's Roy. Um, I was in a band with him at the time. And, uh, it was right before we were gonna go on, and he said, "Hey, man, drummer pool's gonna be here." I just freaked out. It was the worst show that I've ever had. Oh God, because I was just so. Just overwhelmed with you know all these emotions of like oh man why are they here are they here for me are they just hanging out what's going on man oh I really gotta nail it and uh, I blew it oh so needless to say it's, it's probably it's probably a good thing that I didn't kill it and because I, I wasn't ready yeah. it was the right place and the right time for everything man I think we had a you know obviously we made a few single switches and during that time Jay was developing himself as well and yeah just, yeah. You know, that's what we had to go through to get to where we are now. Yeah. Proud of the records that we made. It's just, you know, the personalities weren't right with the singers that we had, yeah. you know, after Dave. And it just, we never really had that full connection. It felt like bad again until we got Jay. But I think the advantage with Jason is we've just known him forever. He's come up on the scene. And mm-hmm. kind of, he's got, you know, wide range vocally like Dave had, you know, so we could do anything. Yeah. It makes sense that it would work eventually um, because, you know, I think one of the 
main themes of what we've been saying together is we, we all cut our teeth on the same material at the same yeah. time. The yeah, same absolutely. Um, we come from the same school of music. So I'm, I'm hoping that translates well to what we're doing now. Man, because, totally. You know, I mean, we're just... With some hallelujah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you can't say it like that. You can't say it no. No, don't say it any other way. It's a record called Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, bro. Yeah, bro. <laughs> what was that first show without Dave like? Like, uh, I can imagine after so long, you know, like. That whole period is kind of dark and, and yeah. for me, the whole desensitizer for me personally is just always kind of a haze. Yeah. Is it, is it a weird one? I remember the first one that we did. You know what, Diddy fell down. He tried to do some kind of jump. He, fell, he tripped on the rise and fell on his face. It was like, what was that movie, the Rockstar yeah. movie, when he jumps yeah. off? Oh, God, yeah, that was really a sign of things to come. Right? That's exactly what it was, man. He <laughs> <laughs> was wrong from the get-go. Man. Oh, gosh. I mean, was, yeah, like, moving moving on and, you know, kind of going through, you know, having Gong and then he's having like Rockstar movie. He's just remembered, he's just remembered. Dude, he was having a video. We would sit there and rewind. Oh, he's rewinding. It took me a minute. But I remember this. I remember Dime coming up to me after the show. I think your boy busted his wheels. I'm like, and I went, "What are you talking about?" He was like, "Gone. You fell off your riser. Yeah, busted his wheels. Came right out the gate and fell. Broke his foot. Or something like that. Did he really break his foot? He like pretty bad. Sprained his ankle. Sprained pretty good. So the first like ankle show. I had completely forgotten about that. That was that was Curtain Club. Total like rock star. That's awesome. Yeah. Comes rolling down the steps. (laughs) Oh man. Oh man, that was, an, that was a great start to that era. God damn. Yeah. It was a short era with Lich. It was short, yeah. This thing is walking around on a busted wheel. It's like, what happened? <laughs> Tried to do some David Lee Roth move off your riser and came down wrong. Busted wheel. It was not graceful, bro. I mean, when he hit it, right, it was like a big belly flop after that. Yeah, we were sitting at the house and we just wanted it and watched it over and again. Oh, man, you remember that? It used to be the thing when you were local? You would videotape all your shows and go Oh, and sure, them. yeah. Yeah. Because this is before lot. YouTube and everything. Yeah, you know? used to hate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you watch it back and you're like, oh, why did oh, I do man, that? Like, I would have so many bad videos of us. I used to think, like, man, that was the best show I ever had. I was on it, full of energy, man. I was all over that stage. Yeah. And you watch it, and it was just so new. <laughs> you barely moved at all. <laughs> you like yeah, good to watch yeah. it, though. Like game day tapes, man. You gotta critique yeah. yourself. You gotta, you gotta watch yeah, the game. Time. You gotta watch the watch the instant replay. Yeah. The instant replay over and over. Yeah. Fall on your face. <laughs> it Ryan, oh, well, Ryan fell in quite a few times, too, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that was like a regular thing, dude. It was just... That just was, a clumsy dude. That was, yeah, he fell in front of the stage that one time. Alcohol and dude. Alcohol and yeah. We used to tackle each other on stage. That was always fun. Yeah. You got any, you got any drowning pool gig injuries yet? Uh, injuries? Yeah, like oh, if you've fallen over or busted your ass or anything. You got enough tape? Oh, wow. <laughs> Here we go. He beat up on a stage, man. Yeah, he's he falling. I'm amazed these guys are able to Oh, you tripped a few times on it for so long, man. Pouring is destroying me, man. You get me a lot. You got me last night. You step on my cable. I'm going this way. He's going that way. And he steps on that cable. <laughs> he back, man. You, you get me on that one a lot, man. We have uh, <laughs> CJ has these these uh, road cases, right? 
he keeps his guitar heads in. Okay. I'd say they're about three feet wide, foot and a half to two feet tall. So that you would think they were pretty solid. And it must be his riser, because we were in Houston, and I was on his riser, and I was talking this mad shit, and we went into the song, and I came just a step down from his riser onto his road case. Mm-hmm. Just to hit the corner of it, right? I don't know what the fuck happened, It just man, flipped but over just right there. And I went, and I'm... You know, head over fucking heels on my Jesus. ass. There's a couple times you were throwing hooks around the stage and kicking them off. <laughs> I hate those things. So I think you remember the biggest injury I had was probably to my pride. <laughs> <laughs> Played a show. I think it was in like of all places, somewhere in Kentucky, where this guy goes to step over a monitor. It falls. It goes right, right the between the monitor and the monitor. And I'm sitting there backwards with the guitar headstock, just sitting straight up. The strobe lights are going off. The road. Road. It's, it's like perfectly road. wedged in this. <laughs> just, just stuck. Headstock and feet straight up in the air. You ever see those Mike Meyer films where he's skating and he's Doctor Evil, or whatever? And he's oh got yeah. Legs. <laughs> That's what the leg and the guitar looks like. Two legs and a headstock. Oh, that is gonna hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Two legs and a headstock is a great name for an autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> stage. Here's the thing, but the reason I remember it so vividly is because I was out there, I want to say it was Greg Rismo and that was probably what it was. It was this weird little T catwalk, if you will, on yeah. a small stage. Yeah. And I remember getting like yellow gaff tape so we could outline this. I was like, man, somebody's going to miss this. And we outlined where to go. <laughs> he steps I step over right the in. monitor. Uh-oh. And shook. Right in the hole, man. That was awesome. Wedged. Oh, that reminds me. Oh, here we go. We were in San Antonio uh-huh. very recently on our last run that we were doing. Fitzgerald's? I don't remember where we were. Yeah, I think so. And I, I was stepping from the stage to the barrier, and the barrier has that little, you know, little <laughs> yeah. platform yep, yep. in the middle. Uh-huh. I'd step on it, work the crowd, get back on the stage, step on it. And I was, you know, making my way down the line. Well, I didn't realize that not all these damn barriers had steps. So <laughs> oh, I, no. I went to step on, and it was just, it was empty. So I'm like spread eagle, <laughs> one foot oh, on the stage, and then one foot through the hole. The oh, was going on. Trying, and I'm trying to. That was new, bro. Right. And I'm trying to sing the song, and I did damage to my knee. I thought I was going to have to have surgery. But uh, yeah. luckily, I didn't. I didn't have to. You messed it up bad on one where you tried to do a launch off of something and it didn't launch. It went down and you went with it. The oh, box yeah. rolling <laughs> Jason, do you remember the first time you played with Drowning Pool? Yes. Yes. I was in Oklahoma. Oklahoma? Uh, I think the club was called Desperados. Um, was that the first show? Wasn't it? Hell yeah. I remember that. I remember Here that. we go. Here we go. first show. It was nice. Uh, obviously... Our label at the time started us off with some warm up shit. You know, how, how many people do you think that club held? Maybe 500? Yeah. So it was, you know, kind of not too small, not too big. Mm. Um, I remember being very, 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 very nervous. Um, yeah. I hadn't felt such pressure or stage fright like that ever in my life. Uh, I felt, like, obviously, I didn't want to let the guys down. I didn't want fans down mm, mm. and I really started to lose sight of why I was there I didn't I didn't question or doubt but I think it was 
put in a lot of unnecessary negative energy on it, and it was Steve who had to pull me aside, because that show went well, um, but I didn't really get to uh, enjoy it as much as I wanted to. Right, yeah. Fans seemed to like it, uh, but we did, very soon after that, we did this giant festival, man, and I Solidified after a couple of years, you know, like you were saying, like you know, there's been a couple of years, you know, like indecision, you know, like people coming and going and stuff like that. Are you pretty set on like what you're going to Yeah, yeah, I think we was it was solid by the end of our first run. You know, it take you know it took a little while to to get used to uh, to each other, but I mean, it didn't take that long. You know, now it's second nature. I can tell you, yeah, you never want to go through it again. You know, never want to have to. Find another singer. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. never will, you know. Once this runs, of course, you know. I think we'll all just go quietly into the good night. <laughs> <laughs> the big sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, until then, we have Drowning Pool and gentlemen. I want to thank you so much for your time. But before we get out of here, I ask this of all of my guests, and now it is your turn. I want to know about the best and worst gigs that you have ever played. Mm. Wow, man. We had a lot of best ones. We had a lot of great shows, man. I mean, last week in Chicago was great. We had John on stage. You mean as Drowning Pool? We can go individually for sure. Like, if there's like a specific personal memory you have of a best and worst uh, show, then go for it. I think my most cherished memory of performing with anyone yeah. is obviously the Drowning Pool show. We were in uh, 
our home state of Texas. Yep. We were in San Antonio, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. River City mm-hmm. Rock Fest. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we had played festivals before, but I think people were still feeling us out um, on the fan side and the business side. Sure, yeah, yeah. People were, were, you know, trying to see what was what was going to happen with us. It was just magical, man. Mm. So yeah, many people, as far as the eye could see, man, like, it seemed like there were people to the horizon, and all of them were just, we were just on it, connected on a, on a musical, in a musical sense, and it was amazing, man. I got yeah. chills, and, you know, I don't even have the words to explain what it felt like, but it's yeah. just so many thousands of people, man, Ooh. just, you know, celebrating music together. It was just... It's fucking amazing. That's so great, man. Yeah. We did uh, Rockfest in Kansas City a few months ago, and it was like that. Yeah. We we played the show after we had played, I forget where, the night before, but it was a long drive. And since it was just a couple of shows, mm. we just did it in a van because it's so much cheaper. Old school. So the whole day and the whole show is kind of a, a blur because we were just so freaking tired. But it's the same thing Jay's talking about. Just you know, this that Kansas City Rock Fest is just famous for being just huge and fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And, and it was that day. Yeah, I just said Chicago too, man. We've been out yeah, in yeah. Chicago. We've been on a roll, man. Been a lot of good shows. Yeah, it's yeah. Hard to pinpoint here. You got one left. I got another one too. Hold on. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and this one's not. It wasn't huge. It was just. I just bring it up because it was so surreal. Right. We played in a strip club. <laughs> the one in Florida. Yeah. A few <laughs> hours ago. Time, man. <laughs> I wonder that was this. That was, it was weird. But there were just awesome. strippers everywhere, and you felt that was like one of the best. I'm not saying it was one of the best. I'm just saying it was unique. It's one of the most unique. Very yes. unique. <laughs> I would, I would maybe pick that one as one of my least favorite. Probably, maybe the worst. There we go. No, no, no I'll take it back. Was that show where we played in Atlanta? No, 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 no. Y'all go ahead and answer. Oh, we've had some staples. <laughs> Every band does. Yeah, I think it was that strip club show for me, man. That's man. Oh, we had way worse. Than I that. know which show that was my worst. Yeah. Go on. Is it Kansas City at Christmas? I was gonna say that, but and I didn't want to call it. Completely freaking wasted with the radio DJ before we went on, and I don't remember <laughs> playing the show. And for some weird reason in my mind, I thought we were gonna trash Mike Trump, kill like that was a game plan. I will tell you why <laughs> you it wasn't got the game plan at all. <laughs> and I want to trash some Mike Trump as well. I will totally forever feel bad for him. Um, but yeah, I was like, I don't remember any of it, but I saw the video. <laughs> it was that whole... Uh, Took a whole bottle of crown, man. It was that whole end of the mind. Oh, cycle. yeah, the mind. Yeah, yeah. That everyone was so it was a, yeah, freaked out. I was going to be the end of the world. And you went full retard then. I, I was full, full <laughs> retard, bro. You were full retard, man. CJ was humping the inflatables. They had this inflatable snowman, inflatable like... Santa Claus and when Seven Dust went out there I was running and jumping on that thing Jesus I, I don't know what the hell I was doing it, it took a good tumble that show too busted oh yeah his ass. yeah I busted my face in the bathroom and passed out and then fell on stage while we were playing but see that's oh, the way it works like yeah. that's, right, that's like a negative for him that's a great memory for me oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all, yeah it's all subjective it's all subjective <laughs> 
Hey, but, but he still killed it. He still played. The oh, game I'm sure he did. No doubt in my mind. <laughs> Mike, you got you got, you got any uh, particular highlights you'd like to share? Nah. No? <laughs> Everything's been said? They're on. Yeah. <laughs> well, the album is Hallelujah. Is that how you say it? Is Hallelujah. That? Hallelujah. All right. Well, that and that is uh, in all good record stores now. Gentlemen, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I really, you, really brother. appreciate your time. Thanks, sir. Yeah, I walked in late. Made good, man. That's all good, man. I'm Debbie James Young, and all my friends are back. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.